Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest, the greatest, the most Western edition of Mixed Nonfiction. Yet you are here with your host. I'm Pickle Rick! Insufferable. I'm Nick Munez. Today we've got Chris Enz's book, Outlaw Tales of California. Please keep your hands and feet inside the stagecoach. It's about to be a bumpy ride. You got stories of bandits, cattle rustlers, horse thieves, highwaymen. Old westerns have intrigued readers since the first pioneers ventured across the plains. Quote, Over the 125 years that have passed, we are still using the euphemisms. This guy's a Billy the Kid, I'm a Jesse James. It is what it is. It is what it is. Do you know Davy Crockett had three ears? A left ear, a right ear, and a wild front ear? How does Davy Crockett prefer his pie? Alamo. Duh. Author Chris Ness says drunkenness, banditry, violence plagued the California boomtowns, provoking frightened citizens to take the law into their own hands. I've recently taken the law into my own hands. I'm the Boulder Batman. I beat up hobos after dark and jaywalkers. Yo, a guy here out west this summer, he pushed a peanut up Pike's Peak with his nose. Everything crazy goes to the west, quote, America is built on a tilt, and everything loose slides to California. That's a Twain quote. I'm going back to a time when vigilantes were law and order. Spider-Man, is this guy a vigilante or a vigilante? Quote, Outlaw Tales of California contains the tales and adventures of the most famous rebels in California history. Although the savage misdeeds of some legendary bandits were romanticized, in the end these perpetrators were regarded as nothing more than troubled outlaws. What's the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Outlaws are wanted. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. About the author Chris Enns. Harry Schwant on Instagram. I'm slinging the free means over there. The best in the West. I'm not just talking, people. I mean everything I say. I just talk fast. Keep up, bitch. Patreon.com slash Anish. All your frontier needs over there. We'll keep it short. There's only two sentences about this cowboy that I found online. Quote, Chris Enns. He's a desperado. You can't find him. Born 1961 as an American author, screenwriter, Enns has written more than 20 books on the subject of women in the Old West. One was called... Buffalo Gals, Women of Buffalo Bill's Wild West Show. And the other one, Pistol Packin' Madams. His final book dropped in 2007, The Young Duke, The Early Life of John Wayne. What is a cowboy drive? And Audi partner. <laughs> Lads and lassies, one more meme. Ladies and gentlemen, the spitting tobacco's going in for Chapter 1 of Outlaw Tales of California, Tom Bell. Mr. Bell was an outlaw doctor. They say if you couldn't find a medicine man on the frontier, you became one. I think it was like late 1800s that they had medical certifications. What uh, kind of a fish has a medical degree? A sturgeon. cannot stop me. Let's start this book. A pair of tired, dust-covered deputies escorted outlaw Tom Bell to a noose, dangling off a limb of a sycamore tree. Not one spoke a word as the rope was slipped around his thick neck. 
Bell and his gang of highwaymen. They'd been on the run for more than a year. Bell's looking the hangmen in the eyes. Do you have anything to say for yourself, he asked. I have no revelations to make, Bell replied. I would be grateful, however, to drink this healthy of a party. So they bring a bottle of whiskey for his last meal, I guess. He was reading a letter from his mother. Two lawmen stepped forward, took the letter from him, and tied his hands behind his back. Tom lifted his head and nodded to Judge Belt. His horse was whipped out from under him, and he swung into space. Yeah, Tom Bell died that day. I'm not going to drop the, A man came out with his Smith & Weston and sniped the rope. That would have been a lot cooler. Lands on the horse, runs away. He was an army veteran of the Mexican-American War, the making of a cowboy. Guy says, apart from his unforgettable appearances, he had personal magnetism and natural leadership qualities. People from all walks of life were drawn to him, teachers, soldiers. He's like a renaissance man of the West. 1856, he headed west with the hope of striking gold. He lost his life-saving gambling in saloons, life's slavings. Destitute and desperate, he decided to embark on a life of crime and stole gold dust from a miner's cabin. Caught in the act, Bell was arrested, convicted of grand larceny, and sentenced to five years in jail. I should have bought my friggin' harmonica (laughs) or a tin cup to rattle on some jail bars. Tom served nine months before he remembered he could pretend to be a doctor. He's like telling the police department, I'll be your sturgeon. He starts uh, pulling bullets out of people and they cut his sentence down. He meets these other guys, Bill Gristy, Ned Connor, and Jim Smith. <laughs> Quote, during the spring and summer of 1856, scarily an ice passed when a lone traveler or mercantile or saloon or cattle rancher wasn't forced to stare into the muzzle of a persuading revolver while he was being relieved of his money or livestock. <laughs> no laughing. My revolver when the feds come to the door. I don't have a click sound effect. Shite. All of the newspapers all over California, Arizona had Tom Bell's name in the headlines. And it gets dope. Quote, he was considerate of his prey and never left them completely destitute. Bill and his men held up a wagon near Volcano, California and demanded that the driver turn over his money. The stunned man handed Bell all he had, which amounted to $30.25. Bell took the cash but returned the coin to the driver and told him to buy a drink and forget the incident. Pretty courteous shakedown there. Left him enough money to get hammered. Next time a cop tickets me, I'm just going to challenge him to a duel. The end of his ride came in the Bay Area. Trinity Mountains, he got a tip for a $21,000 gold transfer about to go down. A heist of a lifetime for this outlaw. Quote, several passengers on the stage drew their weapons and 40 or so shots were rapidly exchanged at close quarters. The outlaws were not prepared for such a fierce resistance and they pulled back, but not before killing one female passenger and injuring two male passengers. He got away. Tom Bell, again. He was wanted dead or alive, and then finally he was captured, brings us to the front of the story. I don't know why authors have to do this. 
It doesn't build suspense. It confuses people. So, yeah, he gets hung, and he had basically an 18-month run as the best outlaw in California. Chapter 2, Tiburcio Vasquez. Near the town of Millerton, California, half a dozen ferryboat operators were inside soaking the warmth of an emanating fireplace. Four of them were huddled around a table playing cards. The other two were enjoying a drink at a makeshift bar. You know, the clerk is making everybody feel good. And then the doors swing open. That's suspense, Mr. Enns. The parlor music stops. None other than Tiburcio Vasquez is coming to the front of the bar. Clank, clank, clank. His fucking boot spurs are hitting. The outlaw Tiburcio Vasquez entered the store with his pistol drawn. Three other desperados, all brandishing their weapons, followed closely behind. Why didn't they employ bouncers back then? Quote, two more of Vasquez's men burst into the store through the back entrance, leveled their guns on the strangers before them. Y you don't need guns here, said the clerk, trying to reason with the bandits. Vasquez grinned as he walked over to the man. Yes, I do. <laughs> he said as he placed his gun against the temple's clerk. This was November 10th of 1873. Tiburcio made out with $2,300. It's <laughs> a big score. Quote, prior to the gold rush, California's population was composed primarily of the original Spanish and Mexican settlers and indigenous Native Americans. Tiburcio, he's one of the leftovers. They were saying his great-grandpa was a Spanish explorer, and so he was born in Monterey around 1830-something. Monterey had a dance hall that he would go back and forth to. At this place, the white settlers who frequented the place treated the Mexican woman who worked there badly, calling them names, insulting their ethnicity. Their actions further fueled the hatred Vasquez had for them. Yeah, he's about to lay it down on the Johns. This uh, caused him to leave town. He beat up too many people who were treating his girls bad. I'm going to start an OnlyFans ring. Quote, he was tried for his crimes and sentenced to five years in San Quentin. He was a vigilante. He was doing the cops work for them. Someone's got to protect the girls. Quote, Vasquez escaped after 10 months behind bars and was recaptured in 1859 after ser serving his time. He was released. Within six months, he was charged with another robbery and sent back to jail. Man, they're keeping our Mexican homies down in the system, essay. Fuck. This is what? <laughs> I'm going the other way, bro. They put white people in jail for minor offenses just to keep the demographics equal. That's white privilege. When Vasquez was released, he wanted vengeance. He robbed travelers from San Francisco to L.A. This is exactly what got Tom Bell caught. He killed three innocents in the town of Monterey. On one heist, he scored 8K. Quote, when word reached Vasquez that a highly trained posse had been formed, he decided the outlaws should disband for a while. Vasquez retreated to the valley of the Cajuegas near Los Angeles and hid out there at a friend's cabin. The Cajueba cabin. Wabbits. A woman in the valley recognized his face, <laughs> so she alerted the authorities. This bitch! 
authorities on their way. When the bandit was alerted <laughs> that the posse was closing in, he tried to make a run for it. Beers took aim with his shotgun. That was the name of the sheriff. He sent a volley of pellets into the bandits. Vasquez survived his injuries and was transported to Los Angeles to stand trial. <laughs> he was on trial for two weeks. They were pulling buckshot out of his leg. January 5th, 1875, Tuberquio Vasquez was tried in San Jose at Tres Pintos. How many men have served there? One evening, Vasquez received 673 visitors, the majority of them being women, who saw the bandit as a folk hero. Some saw him as Batman. Others, he's an inmate of Arkham. Quote, a spirit of hatred or a revenge took possession of me, Vasquez said. I had numerous fights in defense of what I believed to be my rights and those countrymen. I believe we were justly deprived of social rights that belonged to us. Who cares? Yeah, the women were being mistreated. They should have did a hunger strike. They had big old titties back in the 1860s. Um, America. We're yet to see the rise of the Mexican fucking cowboy again. They're going to come here in their vans. <laughs> the new caballeros. La cucaracha. Chapter 3. John Allen. John Allen's mare slowly carried him through a dense grove of trees lining an overgrown trail in Tahama County, California. If not for the pair of loaded pistols strapped to his waist and the shotgun cradled in his arms, one would have thought he was a traveling musician on his way to entertain prospectors at a mining camp. I'm going to start hiding an AR in a <laughs> guitar case and going on airplanes. Allen was on the run for um, robbing a miller. Just another highway horse robbery. In 1844, he left New York. Some more backstory. He was with a gang of mobsters, and he called them his bandit brigade. When he got to Tahama County, he's thinking his thieving is behind him. He said he had excess fuel, and he used that to steal horses. <laughs> How did, what was fuel back then? Sperm whale oil? Oh, quote, women claimed he danced like an angel. When he wasn't taking the ladies for a turn on the dance floor, he was playing the guitar and singing. What a ladies' man. Quote, 1871, undeterred by the positivity of getting caught, Allen roamed the territory stealing more horses from farmers and ranchers, selling them to desperados, often unscrupulous buyers. The more time that passed without being caught, the more daring Allen became. Becoming a cowboy, he's coming out of retirement. He's back on the highway. Ups and downs for this guy. He robbed one guy in the middle of the desert, and he had to walk 100 miles to a stage stop. <laughs> like that other guy from the beginning, Tom Bell, gave enough money for people for a drink and a ride back to town. This guy's a douche. And he had this other desperado with him named Sheet Iron Jack. Sick names. The morality is questioned on this one. In the middle of the night, they found a horse that was limping. And it was because it had janky horseshoes on. So they go to the horse farmer who is just high on whiskey. And they friggin' let all of his horses free. What do you think? Dog it, that's my cattle!
Quote, in mid-1876, Allen's luck finally ran out. He stopped at a saloon in Shasta and ordered too much to drink. The inebriated renegade started a fight with another patron and shot him during the altercation. Allen was arrested and thrown in jail. The author went on, By December 1876, Allen was on his way back to San Quentin to spend the next 24 years of his life in the facility. Oof. He'll get out when he's 50 at least. Apparently they liked his voice, so they let him out in two years. (laughs) Wow. Quote, Sheet Iron Jack did not leave the state. He returned to his old haunts and his way of living. He was arrested again in the summer of 1884. So John Allen went straight edge after in this sheet iron jack. Might have been the real bad boy. Another one. Chapter 4, Frontier Doctors. For this one, I'm going to switch it up a bit. Some quick facts about healthcare on the frontier. They would say that a bullet wound, it was the least of your problems, baby. You could die from a friggin' paper cut back then. Infection. For real, if you couldn't find someone who called themselves a doctor, you would start trying different leaves on yourself. They said mercury purges were common. It was Eastern. It was getting your humor back in line. <laughs> Which science fiction author is the best source of liquid mercury? H.G. Wells. That's a chemistry joke. Get smart. We know mercury is like poisoning. It makes you crazy. These people found out it also makes you happier start putting that in the water instead of heavy metals the mad hatter (laughs) he's the best humored friggin character ever why was the mad hatter acting queer he had a hair up his ass you're not ready for this one one doctor reported taking 600 ounces of blood from one patient over a two-month period (laughs) talk about a vampire I read this one thing once. There was a guy who got shot and he had a hole in his stomach so you could see inside of it. And so one doctor started dropping coins inside of him and seeing how good bile acid was. (laughs) They still look at that stuff to this day because you're not allowed to do that. Smart. There was this young French immigrant. They would like take his finger bones out of his body (laughs) yeah crazy dude they had a thing called magnetic painkillers i guess it's less addictive than opium (laughs) and uh yeah they would put magnets all over you freaking rich people pay to have magnetism shot through their brains what is this 1804 Lewis and Clark were sent out. They were given $50 allotted to medical supplies. And that was of a like a $3,000 budget. They said they both studied as doctors before they left. This is why Pocahontas came in handy. What's that chick? Sacagawea? Do you know Dewea? <laughs> Lewis and Clark notes are pretty nuts. I should do that as a book. They had frostbitten toes. They claimed that one guy died from a ruptured appendix. I guess his humor was too good. Awful. 1875, that was when the first medical licensing laws came about. So from then on, (laughs) instead of taking Sacagawea's leafs that were able to heal blind men's eyes, they would treat it by poking your eyes out with red-hot pokers. That's all real. 
Chapter 5, the final one, James Gilbert Jenkins. Hell of a name. On March 18, 1864, 29-year-old James Gilbert Jenkins was hung in Napa Valley. Why would you blow the lead? For homicide. Continuing the quote, his life of crime spawned two decades and included more than a dozen murders, numerous highway robberies. In the end, Jenkins accepted responsibility for his crimes, but confessed his life would have been different if he had not been separated from his parents, which he was at nine years old. He walked hundreds of miles from Missouri to the West. He was the young kid as a 10-year-old that just wanted to be out in the middle of nowhere. So some rich guy picked him up and put him on his racehorses. Jenkins grew up to be the fastest racehorse guy in the West. (laughs) Quote, armed with revolvers, Jamin, his mentor, ambushed the man and demanded that he turned over his wallet. Couple of highway robberies at the age of 12. The man insisted he had nothing, but Forbes, the horse guy, argued that he did and gunned down the man. We searched him and found $9 in gold coin and a belt around his body. We also got a gold watch and finger ring. That was written in Jenkins' diary. <laughs> no one was arrested for this murder because Forbes got money. I reckon there was no money in that case. You saw it when we opened it, Sheriff. The rich guy is able to just pay off the cops. Forbes became Jenkins' mentor. They stole over $5,000 in two years. Then he went all the way to California. For four years, he only committed a measly, what is that, like two murders in four years? I think you should be allowed one a year. Quote, he had defied a young girl and her father was attempting to defend her honor. James struck him with a blunt instrument. In his words, laid him out on the floor very straight. He fled the scene believing the man was dead. Oh, crap. (laughs) You go to meet your girlfriend's dad. He's brandishing a shotgun. You beat him over the head with a lamp, (laughs) and the dad lives. Jenkins, he has nowhere left to go but California. He joined the cattle drive headed for Sacramento. He was being paid $40 a day. 1859 to 1862, he idled five men in California. (laughs) I guess that means whacked. He drank and gambled. He stole from saloons. He occasionally worked odd jobs between criminal endeavors. James Jenkins, this is true Missouri rabble. You're going to have a hard time thinking he's inhuman after this freaking quote. It's a monster. James confessed in his memoirs that during this time, his conscience was getting the best of him. He was ashamed of his crimes he had orchestrated in which he had participated. He wanted to lead a different life. I began to see that there was a better way, James wrote in his memoirs, an honest way to make a living, and then I should be rid of that dread. That continual fear that was always in my mind is that ex-girlfriend's dad right behind me. It not only occupied in my mind in waking hours, but haunted me in my sleep. (laughs) I concluded to get rid of my professional equipment, with which I was well supplied. (laughs) (laughs) This guy rules. Jenkins met a buddy named O'Brien. They were both going to go straight edge together. (laughs) Can't trust a worm like Jenkins for long. That Mississippi mud! He was even banging Mrs. O'Brien behind his back. 
and she offered Jenkins a year worth of salary if he would kill her husband. <laughs> this is sweet. <laughs> and then they're going to run off into the sunset on his racing horse. James and O'Brien, they can't stay straight edge for long. They go out for one last score, and they get caught. Quote, James was held over for trial, found guilty for the murder, and sentenced to death. I hope all may take warning by me and never allow themselves to be led astray, neither by man or by woman, he wrote in his memoirs. I hope all parents of children may endeavor to raise them right and not allow them to run in bad company. This is a certified hood classic. Powerful final words from James Jenkins. Don't let nobody piss down your back and tell you it's raining. Life is a cold son of a bitch out here. <laughs> should I go full western? I should have for the whole edition. I don't know. The more dastardly and dirty periods of history are going to come and go. Sometimes you got to fucking giddy up and get on your horse. This is the American West, baby. The attitude of Nick's nonfiction. Yeah! That was the Outlaw Tales of California. Love it. I hope you guys are liking story mode. This summer editions of Nick's Nonfiction. <laughs> Let's keep this ball moving. What do we got next week? Oh my god! This um really took the levels up. I'm figuring out there's much better philosophy than 1800s dudes with mustaches. And speaking of which, another's 1800s dude with a mustache. Ladies and gentlemen, Soren Kierkegaard's Either Or. This is a monster of a book. <laughs> like, it's honestly as real as we're going to get. It's, um, you'll see. I don't want to spoil anything. Really, guys, thank you for staying tuned. This show just keeps betting, getting better. Bet on me. 21. 21. This is a jackpot, baby. This random soundboard is fucking attuned to me. <laughs> it's been a fun addition. Seriously, thank you, Chris Ends. Thank you to the listener. I love you guys. Check out Harry Schwant if you want free memes, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the niche. Random soundboard effect, as always. Come on, we're hot right now. Oh yeah, I'll accept my award. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, Nick's Nonfiction will be back in seven short days. Love you, the listener. Take it easy out there. Peace.